Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So, dear friends, I'm going to do something. First of all, good morning to all of you. How are you? Welcome to our Mecca campus. Uh, it was nice to be with you last week. Um, I'm grateful that we had the opportunity, uh, and, and hello to everybody who's uh, tuning in on 97.3 and online. Friends, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to ask all my pastoral team, if they can, Jonathan, I know you probably can't unless you can get away from there. I would like my pastoral team, and I would like my board members, I know this is going to be an hour away from your spouse perhaps, but I need you to come and sit in the front row. I need you. Come on. I need you today because this is a difficult message. It's a difficult message that I put together months ago, but I now believe, you can go ahead and sit down, you guys. You're going to hear the message in the front today. I now believe that this message is what has caused me health problems and the difficulties that have arisen over the church in the last several months. Because it is a message, dear friends, that you probably are aware of the situational things and the depiction of it, but more than that, sometimes we fail to deal with it. And yes, I want my board members at Mecca to do the same. I need, I need you guys to be ready because you're going to be prayer wars today. I want you to pray for me specifically. And then I want you to pre- prepare the hearts of the people by praying for them too. I believe in the power of prayer. I need you to prepare your hearts and their hearts for prayer today. Why? Because they're going to hear something that they probably already know, but they struggle with it and done nothing with it. Okay? Because people are going to be drawn to the altar of God today. They are. And we're going to pray for them. We don't even have to lay hands on them. If they want us to, they can raise their hand and we will. But they don't have to. I want this to be their time at this altar, alone with God. And if they need someone, they'll raise their hand. That's what we're going to do today, okay? Let me tell you something, friends. We are and have been too friendly with the enemy. I think we're not even aware of it sometimes when it happens. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Joshua chapter 9. We're going to do the entire chapter, okay? And here's what I really honestly need you to do, because the Lord needs you to do this. God wants you right now. And yes, I believe he told me this. I don't get these constant words from the Lord where, well, God told me this or God told me that. Okay, I know some people, they say that God's done that. Great. But when God speaks to me specifically and tells me, I know it. And God wants you to search your heart. And God wants you to check any poor attitude at the door. Mm -hmm. Amen. He wants you to check whatever wayward 
thought you have, whatever, if there's anything in you that's impure towards somebody, towards a situation, or even towards yourself, God wants you to delete it, obliterate it. Open your heart and mind in the spiritual sense and allow him to speak to you because you need to hear what he has to say. You really do. And this isn't a chastisement. This message is going to be an encouragement. President Obama, in his campaigns, used the moniker, yes, we can. I didn't believe it because he didn't tell me what he was going to do and how. But I'll tell you what I do believe. I believe in the Lord we can. I believe we can because he said it and he's proven it over and over again. I don't put much faith and trust in humankind anymore. I don't put it in politics. I don't put it in government. I believe that we can make a change. I believe there are things we we can do. And yes, we need real change. But my faith and allegiance goes here. And I hope and believe that yours is as well. And so in Joshua, we find this amazing story about the Gibeonites and the deception that took place. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the great sea as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, and a bunch of Zites, they came together to make war against Israel and Joshua. Now understand that these people were all enemies themselves. But to defeat Israel, they came together against a common enemy, which was Israel. And don't you think for a second that the world has not united as enemies against the Lord. They're enemies in this life, but they share a common goal, and that's to defeat the church of Jesus Christ. That's a fact. I'm watching it constantly. And they're doing it through a variety of ways. And one of them is through the, this idea that they can be against any type of authority over them. Do you understand that? When we say that we don't have to follow authority, and I'm not just talking about law enforcement. I'm talking about authority in your job, in your government, in your school, in your church. Friends, when you think you don't have to follow authority, you will never follow the authority that is the authority. Ever. Okay. Now listen to this. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, I'll bring, come back to Jericho in a minute. They resorted to a ruse, and they sent, or they went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks of old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy, and they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. And these are the people from Gibeon, by the way. But perhaps you live near us. How can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? 
They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, Sion, king of Heshbon, Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtoreth. And all our elders and those living in our country said to us, Take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But see how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins that we filled were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals were worn out by the very long journey. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, friends, that has got to be the most important part of this whole scripture. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. They looked at the provisions in their human thought process, mm-hmm. the human reasoning and understanding, but they never went to the Lord. And you know what, friends? That's our problem today. Mm-hmm. This is where we struggle and toil because we do not go to the Lord first. Amen. Now, I'm sorry that some of you have your spouse sitting up here in the front row and you can't sit next to them and pass candy and hug and whatever. But listen to me. I assure you this is temporary. And what they're doing right now is way more important. You can handle it. Okay? You can handle it. So listen to this. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. Can you believe that? Okay, Look, go back to 14. The men of Israel sampled their provision, did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. I skipped ahead a little bit because I wanted you to know that it didn't take very long for them to find out That's right. that this was a screw-up. That's right. That's right. So three days. So the Israelites, in verse 17, set out on the third day, came to their cities, Gibeon, Kapira, and all these places. But the Israelites did not attack them because the, Is- the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath, get this, to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. So the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. But the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We cannot touch them. This is what we will do, though. We will let them live so that the wrath of God will not fall upon us for breaking the oath we swore. They continued, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and and water carriers for the entire community. So the leaders promised to them was kept. Now, you may think that that was dumb, too. No, it wasn't. Let me get there. So then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you while actually you live near us? You are now under a curse. You will never cease to serve as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant, Moses, to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems right and good to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. And that day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the community, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now listen. When I was in school at the University of London for my doctoral program, One of my professors told a story that, quite honestly, friends, I have never forgotten. And to me, it's a very powerful analogy. You see, there's this idea that certain kinds of ants have a passion for the sweet, glandular substance given off by the caterpillar of a blue butterfly, and it's only found in England, or at least in Europe. And since I went to school over there, clearly why the story was told. 
In fact, these ants can be some, so addicted to this butterfly, this, this, this substance, that they will even go look for the caterpillar that secretes it, and when they find it, they will carry it off, right, back to their nest with delight. But they unwittingly bring home an enemy in disguise, for the caterpillar gorges himself completely and exclusively on ant larvae. Usually, this kind of a threat to the colony would be attacked and repelled with everything they've got. But the adults joy the tasty secretions of their guest so much that they are oblivious that their young are being devoured in the process. And as I began to read this story of Joshua, I see these incredible similarities with the foolish ants. And what I see is that Israel became too friendly with their enemies. In fact, the people of Israel have just defeated the city of Ai and are preparing to march much deeper into Canaan to claim the promised land which the Lord had given unto them. And so they have seen this great walled city of Jericho completely defeated. They've, wit they've, they've witnessed this pesky little town of Ai defeated too. And they've gorged themselves on these victories, and so they're full of themselves. You know, times are good right now, so why, why do we need the Lord? Now, of course, you and I have never done that, I know, but, but they did it. <laughs> Coming home, isn't it? You've heard it said it was the worst of times, and it was still the best of times. But before they're ever going to see another victory, my friends, Israel is going to learn a valuable lesson right here, right now, you know, about becoming too friendly with the enemy. And for me, through the Israelites, we can see this picture of ourselves as children of God as we struggle to obtain constant victory in our lives. You see, it's not too difficult for us to see the parallels that are between the battles that Israel fought in the flesh and the ones that we fight in the spirit. I really believe that, friends. I really do. In fact, every one of those cities teaches us a, le a lesson. Jericho represents modern society. You understand that? It represents modern society. Jericho was defeated, and we too have the promise of victory over modern society and our walk with Christ. Amen. God didn't say it would be easy. He said you could do it. I represents our human desire. The city of I does. I was defeated, and guess what? You and I have the promise of victory over our own human desire. Amen. God didn't say it would be easy. He said you could do it. And then Gibeon represents, guess who? Satan. Mm -hmm. And this is a battle, friends, that was fought then. <laughs> fought before him, fought after him, still being fought today. All right, now. You understand that, right? Yes. We are fighting a battle that is different today than any other battle and that we know, friends. Hear me now. We're fighting a battle today 
this different than any, than any other battle that's ever been fought because we know we're going to be victorious. That's right. That's right. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's right. That's right. That's right. No army, no navy, no battle group has ever gone into battle knowing for certain that they were going to be victorious. That's right. But we do. You've got to grasp that today. To be part of the winning army and enjoy the victory, we, we're going to have to just trust the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in His will That's right. every day. You, 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 you get that right. That's right. You see, Satan is already de defeated in eternity. That's, that's already been decided. He, he's done. You know, you know, I'm a White Sox fan, and Hawk Harrelson, our announcer for several years, used to say, he gone. And my grandkids still say it. He gone. They've kind of gotten away from it. I need to remind them of that. You know why? Because I love the idea of telling Satan, get behind me. You gone. <laughs> Too bad. So sad. Bye-bye. See, it's not in my strength that I can do it. It's not in your strength that you can do it. it, it, it friends, listen. You, you can't even go find the most holy person you know and, and cling on to them and, and that's going to do it. The fact of the matter is, by the power of God is how you do it. That's the only way you do it. And if any, any holy person does it, that's how they do it. Everybody does it through the power of God, and everybody has that power because Jesus said, you have it. He said, nothing would be impossible for you. He wasn't just talking to the pastor. He wasn't talking to these people up here. He was talking to all of y'all. He was talking to everybody. See, you have this. He's defeated in eternity, and he can be defeated in everyday life. That's right. That's right. But in order to see victory over these things, we have to recognize that there's a danger in becoming friendly mm -hmm. with our enemy. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, we don't realize we've done it. So let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Number one, understand something very quickly. Yes. The enemy is deceptive. He has a strategy. When all the kings of Canaan heard what had happened to Ai and to Jericho, they joined forces to defeat Israel. And isn't it amazing how the devil's crowd always shows up and joins up to fight God's people? That's right. That's right. And if you think that isn't true, friends, uh, I would say kick your head out of the sand. Okay, get out of the newspaper. Get off your phone. Okay, get off, get off your television. Get off your pad. And, and, and open your eyes to reality and look around. You know, I, I, I was on a submarine one time, and it didn't bother me. It really didn't. I didn't mind being on a submarine. A lot of people could never be on a submarine. But it didn't, it didn't bother me. But here's what, here's what I found out. Every so often, with all the sensors that they had on this thing, every now and then, the captain would have to go up the periscope depth, put that thing up above the waves, and look around a little bit. You understand? Are you, are you, are you getting my drift here? No pun intended. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. But anyway, so you, you, you follow what I'm saying here. You got to look around a little. You know, your, your, your social media and your gadgets and your gizmos and you, listen. You, if you keep listening to that, you keep looking at that, you're not going to see what's really going on. Because they direct you into what they want you to see. I'm not picking on Yahoo today, but I'm going to tell you something. Every single article that Yahoo puts on their site today, and I'm just being honest, they, they, they can't dispute this. Almost every single article has to do with some type of police brutality 
or is pushing a homosexual agenda. Yes. I'm telling you right now. And every, and every now and then, I'll read one of their articles, and it's always slanted one way, every time. And now they've disabled the comment section. All right. Well, that's censorship, my friends. No, that's their side. They can do whatever they want. I'm just simply telling you, and, I'm, and they're not the only ones that do it. And yes, both sides do it. I, I, I know, but listen to me. Is that your source? You, do, do, you, do you follow me here? Go ahead. This is my source. This, this, this is my source. Because I know what my attitude is when I read those things, and I know what my attitude is when I read this one. It's, it's not that I've got my head in the sand and stuff isn't happening. I, I, I get that. But I want to read this and look around. Because I see it. I see it. I mean, look at the way Jesus was treated by his enemies. The Pharisees and Herodians, they hated each other. Yeah, but they came together in this one common effort of seeing Jesus put to death. That's right. That's right. That's right. Another friendship that was formed over the death of our Lord was that which was formed between Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate. Yes. yes. And we're still seeing these same types of alliances formed today. And so when the Gibeonites heard that the Israelites were headed in their direction, they, they, they made this massive scheme to try to trick Israel into making this peace treaty with them, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. And so they dressed in these old clothes, carried old bread and wine, and pretended that they were from far away. They did everything in their power to do what? Trick Israel. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That's it. All right now. now, what a picture we see of our enemy, the devil. Yes. I'm going to call him that because that's who he is. Mm -hmm. God says he is. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.11 that we fight an enemy that uses, get this, schemes to get his way in our lives. Then the word schemes refers to deceit, it, 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 lies, trickery. You see, friends, Satan would like nothing more than to trick you into one of his traps. Brother, I've been there, I know. I've been in the trap before. Has anybody been in the trap before? Okay. And just before Jesus died, he told Peter that Satan had demanded to have him so that he could sift him like wheat. And you know what, friends? I look at Peter and say, you poor guy. But I'm thinking, huh, he wants to do the same to me. He wants to do the same to you. That's right. He wants us to fail. He wants us to fall. And he will stop at nothing to make it happen. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 3, 7, that Satan uses snares to catch his prey. Yeah. Now, snares, you know, are used by hunters to catch their unwitting creatures. And so Satan uses deceptive traps and schemes to do the same. So not only does he have a strategy, but he has tools that he uses in his deception. Now, I, I think you probably knew he had a strategy, and I think you know he's deceptive, but did you know he has these tools that he uses? Now, the Gibeonites had done everything possible to try to deceive Israel into believing that they were far away, and you know that. But I want to remind you that the devil comes to you in temptation in order to trip you up, and he does so, in a, and, he, and he doesn't do it, friends, like in this red suit with a ponytail and horns. That, that's not how he shows up. Come on. Okay? That's right. That, that'd be like the Gibeonites would have showed up with, you know, nice fresh bread, and they'd have known right off the bat. So if they did that, what, and who do you suppose told them to do that, by the way? You don't think Satan was active back then, do you? Oh. He was active the moment Adam and Eve 
hit the ground. You understand that, right? Yes. Or came from the ground. Yes. <laughs> yeah? Man, oh man, oh man, friends. This is, this is so easy. There's no, there's no way we don't get this. He's not going to carry a pitchfork. He's not going to smell like sulfur. When he comes into your life to cause trouble, he will appear as what? The Bible says as an angel of light. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. He will make his plan appear to be the absolute perfect thing in your life for that moment. And he's good at it. All of his tools appear to be signs that you ought to just go down this path. He will bring things in that it, even though the Bible or your sense of discernment from the Holy Spirit will tell you, oh, I'm not sure. Everything he brings will tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve it. All right, now, watch out. Get yours. Defend yourself. Come on now. Tell them off. Yeah? Now, come on. And those are minor things. What about the big stuff? Okay. Right? So, friends, be aware of every impulse you have. I don't care what it is. Be aware of every impulse you have. Check out everything by the Word of God and by the will of God. Do that every time. I don't care how small or huge it is. Because the Lord will always lead you the right way. Do you know what else? He uses deceptive words. This is where he really gets me. It's with these deceptive words. Anybody, anybody hear deceptive words from Satan sometimes? You know, remember these guys from Gideon, well, they all lied. They claimed to be something they weren't, and they were careful in what they referred to. And maybe you didn't grasp it, but let me lay it on you here, friends. What I mean by this is they didn't mention anything that happened since Israel crossed the Jordan. You know why? Because if they did, that, would give, that means that they had been traveling quite some time and didn't know about it. You understand? They were brilliant in how they did it. Of course they were. Who's behind them? Right? Didn't Satan want to trip up the Israelites? Did he want to keep them out of the promised land? Did he want the anger of the Lord to burn against them so the Lord burns them? Of course. Come on. Oh, yes. Yes. They thought this out. Now, this is, again, a perfect picture of the enemy. You know why? Because he uses slick and enticing speech to get you to buy in his plans for your life. He does. He practiced this exact kind of trickery in the Garden of Eden. He told Eve that she could question God's word. He told her that God did not really mean what God said. He told her that God was just really holding out on her. Do you know what, friends? Do you know that Satan has told me time and again that God is holding out on me? He doesn't come out and tell me that. He makes me believe it because he uses people to do that. And he'll make me start thinking things like, well, you know what, God? If I'm called to be your minister, why don't you protect me better? Why do you let people get upset with me? Why do you, let, why do you, why do you have, have these problems in the church then? Why do you allow, you know, why do you allow this stuff? Go ahead. Oh, yes. And it makes me believe that God has withheld protection or he hasn't dealt with things. Or he has, but, but see, that's all false because God can't control what a person does. That's right. If he did that, he wouldn't have given us free will. So guess what? Come on now. So, but you see how Satan does it, though. He never does it in that. He doesn't come straight up and tell you. He makes you believe these things, you know. Yes. 
He will give you, friends, every reason in the world to justify the things that he wants you to do. And his justification is better than yours. And then when you follow him and you are out of God's will somehow and almost every time in trouble, then he's going to discard you, chuck you out like a piece of trash and leave you to rot in your sinfulness. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you something. This is a fact. And Satan doesn't care a thing about you whether you think he does or not. In fact, he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you into eternity with him. And we all know where he's going to be. Yeah. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind today? So I wonder, just what exactly did Satan tell Cain to get him to kill Abel? What did the devil tell David to get him to scheme, lie, murder, and then commit adultery with Bathsheba? Another man's wife, by the way. That's right. Dishonored and caused his commanders to be dishonored. I mean, he, David used his entire army to get what he wanted. He was willing to do that. He got some of the greatest fighters in Israel. Killed because he wanted a woman. What a guy. But you know what really did right? You know who did it? You think that lust didn't come from Satan? That David wasn't thinking? David knew better than to put the Benjamites in the front and his archers in the front. He knew better than that. You don't do that. No commander does that. And his commander said back, nobody does this. Nobody would do this. Right. Right. But David said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. You see, you know when you make those decisions like that and you know better, the devil's got you, man. Yes. And so I'm thinking, what exactly did the devil tell Judas to get him to betray Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And just what exactly has Satan told you in the past and what is he telling you now? Right? Amen. You see, church, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul tells us that Satan desires to take advantage over us and to do this. He will use every trick in his book to get us to follow him into his scheme, right. which results in failure. That's right. Now, notice I said his book, because this book isn't his. Oh, yes. This book will keep you out of it, but his book will take you to it. So you better be careful because 1 Peter 5.8 tells us what the devil's up to. Yes. You know what, friends? You, do, you know what he's up to? Let me, let me lay it on you. He wants you. He wants you. Plain and simple. But that's not all. He wants your family. <laughs> Did you know that? He wants your family. This isn't just about you. He wants your family. He wants your testimony. He's going to get it if you let him. You understand? You ain't going to have one. Right? He wants your church. You want the truth? He wants God's church. Mm-hmm. He is going to stand up and say it's his. Mm-hmm. He's going to do that, yeah? In fact, anything you have that's from the Lord, Satan, wants it. He does. Friends, I want you to think about this. He will do anything to get it. You know what else he is? Number two, he is destructive. Mm -hmm. 
He disrupts your spiritual discernment. I know he's yes. done it. Yes. <laughs> Come on now, let's, let's be honest here. Yes. Has Satan not disrupted your spiritual discernment? You're not sure whose voice is speaking to you. Come on. Yes. Now, come on, kids. This is, this, you know it's happening. He did it to the Israelites and their leaders. Notice in verse 7, Joshua initially was a little skeptical of these, these ambassadors of goodwill, but he questioned them again and where they were from, see? He said, hey, whoa, where are you from again? Who are you? Now, Joshua, you know, should be commended for his caution, but he gave up way too soon, and I think we do too. I, I really do. When the Gibeonites showed him their clothes and their food and their wineskins, he accepted this as their proof, and he believed their story. Well, you know what, friends? <laughs> Listen, if you depend on your personal human discernment, you will fail. Satan's got you right now. That's a fact. Okay? If the Lord has done anything for his children, he has given us this perfect book, and he's also given us this amazing, powerful spirit. He does. If he's done anything, yes. perfect book, powerful spirit. We might want to post that somewhere. You might want to post that somewhere. God done a lot of things, but if he's done anything amazing for us, that's it. For the tools we have are better than the tools that Satan brings against us. Problem is this, we go, I'll, I'll, I'll look at this, I'll figure it out. No, because your peepers, your discernment will deceive you. I guarantee you, your feelings will. Your thought process is not what you think it is. It's not. And you know what? We have too many Christians today that discard this and this for what they think they know. Go ahead now. That's right. You know how I know that? Because doggone it, I've done it, and I did it a lot. And praise the Lord, I don't do it very much anymore. It's, 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 it's a rough transition. It really is. I'm telling you. It, 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 you don't realize you're doing it at the time. You don't realize that you're, you feel like you're giving up control. And you are. <laughs> it happens. I, I, I get it. But see, our tools give us this distinct advantage when it comes to fighting them. Using the Bible and leading of the Spirit we can do what 1 Peter 5.8 says, and that's be alert and sober. That's right. In other words, be in control of your emotions and desires and be watchful. You do not have to fall for anything and everything that the devil tells you. That's right. That's He's a liar, and Jesus said he was the father of lies. Listen, folks, we do not have to fall in his traps. Thank God we can walk in victory over the devil if we will be alert and sober. Amen. And you know what? Amen. This is what I have found. He loves to get you to a point where he will separate you, not just from people. He, 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 he wants to do this. He does. And he'll use your pride to do it, almost every time. Your pride and your self-protection, that's where he's got you. He's done it to me. He, he, listen, okay? Your pride and your self-protective nature, he will use that against you. So he can do this. And all of a sudden, everybody in the church is your enemy. All right, now. There it is. That friend that you've had for years is your enemy. The things that you know, somehow you don't anymore. You see, this is, this is how he operates. And I know it's him. I know it for a fact. Yes. 
I've watched it happen. And, he, you know, there's been times it's been unraveling, and I knew it then, and I still didn't listen to the Lord. All right. All right. Oh, my goodness. He's good at it. He's been doing it longer than you. Okay? See, this, this is where he's at. And then here's what you'll do. You'll, you'll stop spending time in the Word of God. You'll start, you'll start looking inside and saying, but I, I feel this, and I, I think that. Well, don't. That's your, that's your problem. Don't do that. Right here. Right here. The Lord will give you a word if you open this book and look for it. it, it you know what? Almost every time when you open the Word of God, it's going to just be right there. That's right. That's right. That's right. But the devil knows if he gets you to open the, open the Word, he's, he's done. So he gets you not to do that. It's going to remain on the shelf yes. or wherever it is you put it. And friends, if you've got to try to think and remember where you put your Bible, you haven't been in it much. Okay? Uh, you know how I know that? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Separation. Propaganda. That's where, that's where he's got you. See, Peter says you can be in control of your emotions. You can be in control of your desires. And you can be watchful. You don't have to fall for anything. Thank God we can walk in victory over him if we're learning sober. So that's where I'm at. Friends, when your spiritual vision gets cloudy through neglect of the word of God, mm -hmm. neglect of prayer, and neglect of really seeking the spirit of the Lord, mm -hmm. yes. and it will, by the way, you are very susceptible to the tricks and the traps. Exactly. It's impossible to have victory over him when we neglect the very things that are designed to make us strong. Mm -hmm. You know what we're doing? Filling it with other things. What we know, our experience, yes. other people. Yes. And you know, we only seek those that are going to tell us what we want to hear. You know right, that, right? Huh? right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 27, that we're not to give Satan any foothold in our lives. Now, the Greek word used refers to a beachhead in a battle, and Marines all understand what that means. If we give the devil room in our lives to attack us, you can count on the fact that he's going to do that you give him a foothold on your beach i promise you he's going to go to the objective you always have to be on guard and avoid his attacks don't let him so much as have a foot in your door i'm telling you slam the door on his foot hold it shut and say lord give me a hand here tell you what lord you take over Not only does he disrupt our spiritual discernment, he disrupts our desire to pray and seek the Lord. Mm -hmm. Notice that Israel ate with the Gibeonites and didn't even take the matter before the Lord in prayer. Now, to break bread with somebody in that day was considered to be the sign of this unbelievable and unalterable friendship. Mm -hmm. But what they considered to be the right thing to do turned into a problem because they didn't take time, guess what, to take the matter to the Lord in prayer first. Now, you know, God would have told them something different here. No, wouldn't he have? Yeah. And because, here's the, here's the second part of that. Because they didn't take it to the Lord, they also didn't take time to wait on his answer. All right, now. Right? That's right. See, that, that's, this is the key, you see. It's twofold. Two mistakes here. Not only did they not go to the Lord, they, because they didn't, they couldn't wait on his answer. He'd have given them one. It might not have been their timing. They might have had to lock these guys up for a little bit until the Lord answered them. Yes. But he would have. Yes, he would. Yes, God would. Yes, 
Crazy, right? And so they stepped out on the will of God and had to suffer the consequences. And I thought, well, how many times has this been true in your life? And how many times has it been true in mine? You know? We look at what the enemy has to offer us and we join up with him without ever seeking the Lord's will in the matter. Because exactly. it feels good. It seems right. And other times we stack the deck in our own favor so that even the Lord's attempts to speak to us and change our direction are made to appear like his blessings on our decision. That's the killer for me right there. Amen. Amen. We will. We will stack the deck. We'll go to the people we think will agree with us. We'll look at the things that we think will seem to say that. We'll even try to find scripture to back up what we want it to be. That's right. Now, don't tell me you haven't done it, kids. That's right. Okay? L listen. So, so it seems like God's favor is on your decision, you know. Now, come on. Okay? A lot of people in the church doing that today. I'm trying to tell you this morning that you need to be sure it's the Lord's voice you're listening to and not the devil's and not your voice either. Because right. you will listen to yourself. You will. You will. That's right. That's right. Now remember, I've said it again and again, that God will tell you anything if you want it bad enough. You see, God's will is that we seek his face, that we give him time to give us his answer. What does the Lord say? Well, Exodus 14, 13, Isaiah 40, 31, Psalm 27, 14. Listen to this conglomeration. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, you know what, friends? Well, you get the idea. God expects his people to seek his will and then wait on his answer. Thank you, Lord. That's right. And you're going to fail at one or the other. Yeah. Can't wait on his answer if you didn't seek him. And Satan will say, okay, you sought him, but yeah, you know, he, he not answered. Yes. Yes. Wait on God. Wait on God. Wait on God. He disrupts not only those things, but our desire to belong to God. Believe it or not. I think this one, as I was putting it together, as the Lord kind of laid it out for me, I'm thinking, okay, how does he do that? Because I, I know I want heaven, so how does he do that? Then some things started to come, to come to my mind. But I had to go back to the Israelites, and God laid it right out. Here it is. In these verses, we see that the Israelites' ability to be separate people before the Lord was destroyed by their decision to make a treaty with the Gibeonites. God said, this is for you. It ain't for these other people. But all they want to do is be inclusive. <laughs> Did you see that? They wanted to be inclusive. Now, don't tell me that that's not a word we're used today. I'm not telling you that people don't belong in the church. That's not what I'm saying. But what the outside world wants us to do is accept things that God does not. All right, now. That's a problem. That's, right. Big problem. that's what their inclusion means. My inclusion says, open the door, bring them in, and let the Holy Spirit work on them. That's my inclusion. Amen. That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't say conform or accept sinful behavior. That's right. The Israelites didn't quite get that, you know. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. God told them to utterly wipe out the inhabitants and to make no covenants with them at all. That's right. Deuteronomy 7 2 is right there. Yeah. Joel, yes or no? Right. You've looked at it exclusively. He knows. God told him. He did a Bible study on it, I think, didn't you? Yeah. God, he, did, did God say wipe them out? What do you tell them to do, Joel? 
Wipe them out. <laughs> That's all I need from you. Wipe them out, man. Who? Tell them. What? Now, what did, what did, you know, Muffy do to deserve that? What did... Now, come on! I get it. You love your pet. I get it. People, women and shit, right? Come on. I watched a piece of Titanic last night. Okay? It was something to do. Anyway, so, uh, and, and, and first thing they did... Women and children to the lifeboats first. Women and children, right? Because there's chivalry, right? I, and, I, and that's good. I get it. But look at what God said. And you know they thought, the kids too? Now, come on, guys. Right? Now, I'm not telling you to go out and start killing people. Listen, we've got enough of that going on, don't we? But you see the, what we're saying here. God knew who these people were. God told them to show no mercy whatsoever. But Israel sinned, disobeyed his command, and before we judge them too harshly, let's look for ourselves just for a minute. Because how many times have we been guilty of following Satan instead of the Lord? The Word of God plainly tells us that what the Lord's will is for our lives. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. Come away, right? You, you, you're not supposed to be like society. You're not supposed to look like them. Not supposed to think like them. Not supposed to feel like them. Not supposed to look like them. That's a fact. Now, I'm not trying to tell you we're going to have this exclusive club here. That's not what I'm saying. Go ahead now. But, friends, God has requirements obedience. Amen. <laughs> right? He says obedience. But all too often we allow our flesh, our desire, what we want, and the smooth-talking Satan to distract us and defeat us. And if you let him, the devil's going to get you to a point, friends, that the Lord cannot bless you and he can't use you at all. That's it. That's it. I know that there are many, many pastors this morning, and it breaks my heart, who have been listening to this charming voice of Satan and have also found themselves outside of God's favor. I know that for a fact. I know it for a fact because I know pastors that step outside of the Word of God and go with their feelings. That's right. And when I argue with them, and I have, all they've got to stand on is their feelings. Yes. And I said, but what about this? But they make excuses. Well, that was Old Testament. Well, what about this in the New Testament? That's not what he meant. Yes. Really? And, and where does it say to accept all that? Well, God is love. But that doesn't mean he accepts it. He has never accepted sin anywhere in there. Right. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's right. What are we talking about here? The fact is, you want this to be true, and it isn't. And they go away with no argument, because there isn't one. Mm -hmm. Friends, all you have to do is stand on this. That's all you got to do. This isn't my, this right here. I have my opinion because the Bible has it. So you know what happens with these pastors? They're, they're, they're caving into social, societal pressure. And they're leading their congregations to believe in unbiblical theologies. I'm not here to pick on churches today. I'm not here to pick on pastors. I'm telling you, I mean, we're God. It's right there. Now, friends, if you think it can't happen to you, 
Well, then maybe you should just ask David, the man who was after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. Ask him what the devil can do to your life. Amen. <laughs> right? Amen. Follow Satan, and like David, you might find yourself in a place of prayer, begging God just to restore the joy of your heart in life. But don't let that happen. Take the necessary steps to defeat Satan and walk in victory. In fact, Jesus proved that you can do it. So, having said that, let's finish this up with my last point. The enemy, my friends, can be defeated. Now, I know that that bothers you. Well, he is defeated. Yeah. Christ defeated him, but you haven't. Yes. We haven't. We can. But we lose more than we win. Now, come, right, are, we, are we being honest here? Yeah, we've won the, the, the battle because Christ fought it. We, we, we win it, right? But I'm telling you, there's going to be more people that will lose this battle for eternity than will win it. You do believe that, right? Does the Bible not tell you that? So here's the thing. He can be defeated, but here's, here's the, and this is what you're not going to like. He's going to have to be confronted. Now, I don't know about you, but I have no interest in confronting Satan. I really don't. But I have to. And sometimes you've got to confront Satan who's in the form of another person. And that hurts. Because you don't want to do it. Good night. I, I, I don't want to do it. But I know for the kingdom of God, I have to. You see, when Joshua found out what these people had done, he went straight to them and rebuked them and confronted them about their sinfulness. Yes. Now, nobody likes confrontation, but evil, you know, evility, yes. right? Bad attitudes, and we've got them. Wrong beliefs, yes. well, they've got to be confronted. Yes. Now, there's a lesson in that for the church this morning, friends, because here's what happens. You see, society and, and Satan will tell you, uh, even some real shallow Christians in the church will tell you, but you shouldn't confront anybody because their feelings count, you know. You should never confront anybody. That's what they're going to tell you. Now, I'm not saying you should be standing at the back door or the front door or wherever and being big, bad so-and-so saying, hey. Now, I didn't say that. In fact, that's the wrong attitude itself. And that should be confronted. Huh? But here's the deal, friends. You have to stand on the basis of God. And when you let things, and I realize, I'm a person that believes sometimes you got to let some time pass to cool things off because people are not going to listen if, if, if you go at it right away. And there are ways to do it too, yeah? Okay? You see, we don't have to roll over and play dead while the devil molds us into his will. Okay? We don't. We need to be like Christ, who, when he was tempted, turned the word of God. Right? He turned to the word of God, and he confronted Satan with the, with the truth of the book. And I found that when I do that, it works. And I found out when I don't, well, there's indecision. There's confusion. Huh? And when, when Jesus did it, it caused Satan to have to flee from his presence. Notice I said he had to flee from his presence. Satan cannot stand in the presence of the truth, not even yours. Okay? And if you will confront him with the word of God, he's going to have to submit to God's authority, and he will leave you alone. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to come back. Okay? You know, you heard about the demon that went and got set right came back. Okay? 
Well, they're, they're going to keep coming back. But after that victory, <laughs> I have a little more confidence, see? And I'm going to use more scripture, be more prepared, and more prepared. And God uses and lets you build this defense. And God's in there with you, see? That's the beauty. Here's another thing, friends. Did you know that Satan can be controlled? <laughs> you know, right? This is one. I, this is a point that I added to this message uh, because I thought it needed to be there. And you're, you don't groan, okay? That's going to be longer. But this is a point you need to understand. You can control Satan. There's no question that Joshua and Israel made a mistake when they dealt with the Gibeonites. But mistakes can be corrected. Amen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right, have you made a mistake before? Oh yes. Who in here has ever screwed up? Yeah. Anybody at home screwed up? Anybody at Mecca? You guys ever screwed up? Yes. Yeah. Big time. Now, certainly somebody's going, no, no, not me. Look around. Who, see who it is, right? Right? But, you know, they made a mistake, but they don't have to be, they, don't have, they can be corrected. And they, and they certainly don't have to be permanent, yeah? You know? Some people may, may make you pay for them over and over and over again, right? You, you, right? But God doesn't. Isn't that the beauty? People will make you pay and keep bringing it and throw it in your face. Mm -hmm. yeah, but God doesn't. Mm -hmm. You see, that's why it doesn't have to be permanent. Yeah. That's why Jesus went through the humiliation that he did. He knew what the people were saying about him. Yes. He knew what they were testing. But the fact of the matter is, he knew what his father thought too. Yes. Big difference. And he no. persevered, and so can you. No, Don't tell me Satan wasn't standing right there going, yeah, that's right. Come on. Hit him again, kick him again, swing again. Come on. You think Satan wasn't there getting those guys to do that stuff? Go ahead now. Go ahead. So Joshua realizes this, this, the seriousness of what he had done, and he immediately takes these steps to control the situation. Yes. He's like, well, I can't kill him. I made a pact with him. Yeah. But I can control him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right? And there's a postscript to this story too, by the way. I'll get to it in a minute. And so they do. They control them. In your life and in mine, there's going to be times when we will step out of the Lord's will and we will commit a sin. Mm -hmm. Maybe several. Friends, <laughs> don't be so legalistic to think that it can't happen or it won't happen. It's a fact. Okay? But when the mistakes we make in following Satan, and we have when we've sinned, you do know that, right? You followed Satan when you sinned, right? Yes. You knew that. Yes. Friends, there's no such thing as a white lie or a white sin. Okay? Right. When you step outside of God's will and you do something outside of what God has commanded, you followed Satan in that moment and you sinned. Yes? You're sure? Anybody who doesn't believe that, say nay. Good. You wouldn't do it now anyway. But here's the deal. You follow Satan when you sin, okay? And that doesn't have to be permanent, right? You, you, right? We've all done it. But here's the deal. You don't have to. That's right. They don't have to be permanent, and neither do they have to completely destroy us because that's Satan's intent with it, you know. Any sin, no matter how big or small or how, whatever you put on it, can separate you from God, and it can keep you from eternity. You do know that. One. Now, there's people in the church saying, no. No, no, it can't. In fact, the Bible is clear. And here's the, pa the pastors are going to tell you. 
If you have unconfessed sin in your life, will that separate you from God? Yes or no? Yeah. You mean I could follow God all my life and then and, and right before he comes I could commit a sin and refuse to confess it and guess what? Yeah. That's how I read it. Now I think there might be extenuating circumstances. I don't, I, but that's up to him. But I know what it says. Unconfessed sin is a problem. God doesn't put up with it. Okay? You can't skate in, glide in, sail in on your past or the good things you've done. Right? We might go to a, a jury or a judge today and say, well, yeah, maybe so, but look at all these good things this person did. God, God doesn't buy that. God doesn't go that way. That's not his thing. Those things will all come out later. And if you see those things, you're at the banquet feast. Yeah? Anybody? Good. But that comes later. See, God doesn't operate the way humans do. You see, praise God, the Lord has promised us complete forgiveness and restoration if we will return to him in repentance. That's, that's the key. 1 John 1, 9. Are you ready? Listen to me carefully. If we confess our sins, say it with me. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, say it. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There it is. Now, what are you going to do with that scripture, friends? It's up to you. Right? What does he start with? If you what? There you go. You see, we're going to have to face the fact that our sins carry consequences. Yeah? But more than that, sometimes they've got to play out completely after we've committed them. It doesn't matter if we're forgiven or not. What we've done sometimes still lingers. Yeah? It did for David. It did, right? Was it? God forgave and restored him, but he lost a child out of it. Saul lost the kingdom. Of course, he never repented. You, you, you see? See, we chose to sin, so there's going to be consequences. Galatians 6, 9 in the New Revised Standard says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Now, you've got to get this. For we will reap at harvest time if we don't give up. Friends, doing what is right is getting right with the Lord. Every time. Okay? Correcting the sin and then turning from it. Then we can handle whatever consequences linger from what we've done. But more than that, we can return to serving the Lord faithfully, and you can't give up. Psalm 30, verse 5, New Living Translation, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see? Yes, the joy comes even for those who have fallen, but have turned to repentance and restoration. Amen? That's the beauty. Now, we need to learn from our sins and our failures so that we don't fall into these same traps again. Amen. Either Amen. we will control our sins or they will control us. Right? For it depends on you and what you want from life. Which is going to control, yeah? There is always forgiveness. There is always repentance. But forgiveness only comes with repentance. You understand that? Okay, lastly, not only can he be controlled, but he can be put in his place. Mm -hmm. And friends, this is one you want right here. You, 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 the desire that you had to put people in their place, throw it out. But you can put Satan in his place. 
Oh my goodness, God gave you the authority and the ability and the command to put Satan in his place. Notice what Israel did with the Gibeonites. They took them under control. They put them to work carrying water, chopping wood in the tabernacle of the Lord. And Joshua took his mistake and he used it for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. He did that. But there's a postscript to the story. Remember, I promised you one. Here it is. 2 Samuel verse 21 tells us that the Gibeonites eventually got right before the Lord and were absorbed into the family and nation of Israel. In other words, they got saved. <laughs> right? What Satan means for evil, God can use for good. Joshua took his error, he corrected it, used it for God, and later God made good on it through King David. Amen. Yeah, that happened. Read it, it's right there. Gibeon became part of Israel. David gave them rights and authority as Israelites. That's cool. So, will you and I fail? The Lord, as we walk through life, like it or not, the answer is not when, but how often, <laughs> right? Yet our sins and mistakes don't have to knock us out of the Lord's favor or out of his work or out of his kingdom. Because when we fail, we need to allow the Lord to use that time of sinfulness, the time of chastisement, and it's going to come, by the way. The correction and the repentance as well as the restoration yes. in our lives for His glory. Yes. He will. Oh, yes, he will. Yes. What the devil meant for your defeat can be turned into the source of your greatest victories, if and only if you allow the Lord to have His way in your mistakes. Now, you can't go back and undo the things that you've done. I, I, let me tell you, I look back and wish I could do a lot of, undo a lot of things. Right? And you would. I'm sure you would. But what you can do is bring them to Christ, and he will use them to help you grow in him. There you go. What first looked like a curse to the people of God eventually turned into a blessing as these people were brought to the Lord and lived their lives serving him. Amen. Yeah. That's right. You see, it wasn't God's plan, but he used it. Now, the Gibeonites had to make a decision yes. to become like that, and they did. It took time, yeah. several centuries, but they did it, you see. Yeah. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to glamorize sin in any fashion. I'm not saying, well, go out and do stuff so God can do something with it. I'm not saying that. God has never told you to go out and sin so he can use it for glory. Right? Don't, I think some, somebody will hear that. Oh, God, glorify it. No. No. He will. And sometimes it takes a while, but there's going to be a cost too. Right? So don't, don't, don't misunderstand that. I'm, I'm trying to tell you that your failures don't have to be a defeat to you forever. Right. Because God's forgiveness, His grace, and restoration is bigger than your mistake. That's right. And I'm asking you to let Him prove it today, right now. Yes. And as our worship team comes, friends, this is what I want to tell you. Yes. Joshua and Israel thought they were making a treaty with people mm -hmm. from a faraway land. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know the story. They found themselves, guess, get what, guess what, under Satan's control. That, that's, that's what happened. They thought they were making a treaty, and they found themselves under Satan's control. It was brief, about three days. But they were. Yeah? And so, has this ever happened to you? Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. Maybe you became friendly with the enemy. Listen to your own feelings, your own desires, or you straight up listen to Satan, and we've all done that too. 
and now you're in a mess. What do we call that? A hot mess? Yeah. Why not bring whatever it is to the Lord? Let Him turn your failure into something He can use for His glory. Or, or maybe you find this morning that you're not even saved. Maybe you know that the devil has you. Maybe you, you've, you've played the game, but you've never made the decision to change completely. Or maybe you're that person that initially got saved, but you never fully surrendered. And that, that happens a lot, I think. Or maybe you're the person that surrendered, but you started bit by bit, slowly taking a little bit back. Oh, come on. Come on. And maybe you've taken some things back and you didn't know it, but now you do. Right? See, again, as I've said before, I've said my very first message in this church, this is what I said. You cannot go back and change or rewrite the chapters in the book of your life. But you can start today and write a whole new ending. Yeah? With a better outcome. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe you would like to come and give your life completely to the Lord. Right now. Watch Him save your soul, transform you for His glory. And this is just for those that want to do that. Okay? I don't want anybody to come up and lay hands on them or touch them or do anything. We don't need to do that. If they want, they, 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 if, if, you, if you come here and you want someone to pray for you, let me tell you something. You raise your hand, just, you know, just look at me, and I'll see to it that somebody that I know is commissioned in this church will come and, and, I'll, and I'll have them do it. Okay? Uh, we, that's what we're going to do today. If you need him this morning, he's calling you. Maybe you struggled with wrong thoughts or attitudes. He's here. Perhaps you don't submit to authority well, or you seem to kind of want your way, or you think you're right. Golly, I've struggled with all those things. Perhaps you haven't been a very good servant lately. None of that matters. <laughs> not if you correct it today, it doesn't. Because God's not concerned with where you've been. Concerned where you're going. Come to the Lord today, and He will restore you. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.